You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have a, a terrific guest with me here today. Jay Wayne has such an illustrious career in law and aside from law. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Here's what I got when I was doing research on you. And I heard your content somewhere else a couple of years ago. You started in law in 1998, around, so, somewhere around that time. You were sworn in to the bar by your father, who was a judge at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, he was a lawyer on trial in front of a judge that I had clerked for, and the judge wouldn't let him go watch me get sworn in, and instead said, here, in the middle of this juror questionnaire, swear your son in and then get back to work. How many lawyers do you know who got to do that with their dad? I, you know, it's funny. I don't know many. Um, you know, mine was a unique situation yeah. uh, because the judge was kind of a, a, a known as a, as a hard, hard nosed judge. Um, but they used to do it where everybody kind of gets sworn in in this big group. And I got this really personalized thing, which was very special. I still have a picture of it over uh, in my office. That's amazing. I saw that picture on your website and I was just it was a it must have been such a moving moment. Something oh, absolutely. that you, you probably carry throughout your life and tell your children, and they might tell their children too. I hope so. So since then, in 2001, you co-founded a criminal defense law firm with your dad, right. and it now spans six offices across Connecticut. Is that right? That's correct. And we're actually going to, we're already talking about opening our seventh uh, in early next year. A, a rare success. Especially in criminal defense law, you do not see many firms that have multiple offices yet specialize in that one practice area. Yeah, you know, criminal defense, I've tried a couple different things. Um, we've had personal injury lawyers in our office. We've had divorce lawyers in our office. But my people are criminal defense lawyers. And uh, and so we've really sort of niched down. And, and, and that's really been, I think, the key to our success is that we are known for one thing, criminal defense, DUI defense in our state and nothing else. We don't have to compete. And so we're able to drive in a lot of referrals from other law firms because we are not going to compete with them uh, for uh, for their business in tax planning or bankruptcy or personal injury or family law. You know, they know they can send somebody to us. We'll take great care of them. And then they go back to them for the rest of the work that they need. And that makes perfect sense. And if you are a law firm owner and you're thinking about adding yet another practice area, don't. It right. will not help your business. It will probably do the opposite. I, I agree. Aside from practicing law, your name is on a few book titles that are available through Amazon, all about law. You have been a video content creator since, well, before many of the TikTok users have been alive. Yeah, you know, if you look at some of my old videos, that they're kind of cringy, as the kids say nowadays. I mean, there's some stuff from me in the early 2000s where I've got poofy hair and a goatee. And, and I mean, it looks terrible. But, you know, I, I started doing content as soon as as soon as I could, because I knew that, you know, the more content I put out, the better. And that's it's translated and served me well throughout my entire career. Exactly. So so having creating content for close to 20 years now. You have figured out how to use social media 
to generate substantial amount of business for your law firm. And this is one of the topics that you became very passionate about from what I understand is for, oh, to the point where you decided to create a platform that's called FirmFlex yes. that can be used to create content and distribute content effectively through social media. And you talk about these topics and topics of creating systems, even systems for creating systems. So why don't we start there? Sure. You, you as a business owner, I know how important it is to create systems, but many people are really focused on policies and procedures instead of systems. Can you talk about the difference and how having the right systems in business, legal business or any other business, can help you develop a substantial business rather than just a practice? Well, I think for, for me, uh, systems really allowed me to grow and scale because I was able to take myself out of the equation for actually delivering the services that our clients needed. Uh, and so by using systems and saying, this is the way we do something from start to finish, going so far as to say, you know, at, at least in the criminal context, there's certain things that we need to do. We need to advise our clients of what they're facing the elements of those charges and, and what their maximum and minimum penalties are. Uh, so we created form letters and said, if this is how we're going to advise people, we're going to do it this way every time. And so it allows me to push some of that work down to uh, other people in the office, either associates or paralegals or even legal assistants. And it allows us to service a greater number of people faster. You know, one of the biggest problems with lawyers is that they say, you know, every case is unique. And while that, that's true in, in the facts that brought people to be arrested and come to us, there are some things that we do the same thing every time. Uh, and so what I found is taking a step back and implementing systems has really allowed us to do it. And, you know, everybody in the audience has systems for every part of their life. They don't necessarily call them that. I guarantee you, if you act consciously tomorrow when you shower, you will recognize that you dry yourself off after a shower the same way every time. You have a system for drying yourself. You don't call it that. And so what we did is we actually said, look, in our law firm, there are things that we do over and over and over again. Let's adopt those as our systems, make them the best that they can be. And then that frees up our minds to be able to do better thinking about the legal issues, but it also allows my team to give better customer service because they know how to execute the, the basics. Uh, and so they can focus on what makes it better for our clients. Yeah, it's super important. I am yet to find a successful business that does not run by successful systems or business processes. And those systems are usually run very consistently, no matter how creative the space is. One of the great examples that I learned about was in the book, The Checklist Manifesto. I read it a few years ago where the author talks about applying checklists in such professions where you would not think about checklists. For example, the case, I forget the name of the pilot who landed a Boeing on the Hudson, um, Captain Solid. Yeah. I think back in 2011. This is something that almost nobody knows. Aboard every airplane, there is a book about best thick that talks about every conceivable scenario that could happen to that airplane. Captain Solid, with all of his experience in the military and in the civil aviation, when his engines were struck by those birds, he remained calm. He reached for the book. He found the right page and he read the procedure of landing on water. I mean, you're going to have to land on water at some point in your career as a business owner. Uh, 
So having those systems and talking about those systems with other uh, other business owners, other law firm owners is really sort of a great way to uh, establish yourself for the future. You know, one of the best things that I do is have frequent communication with other law firm owners and say, what problems have you solved this year? Because I may encounter that problem next year and let's share our ideas and how to make it better. Uh, and so we can create systems in anticipation of problems so that when they do happen, those frontline employees have a resource they can go to and it's served us well. There's another enormous benefit that most people don't think about when they think about should we have systems that are documented or not. We kind of do things well. And that is one day all of us are going to retire by default or by design. By default, we get old and we have to go out of business because we just don't want to do this anymore. The health is not there, whatever, a host of reasons. By design is selling our business. Law firm A has systems that are well documented. Law firm B, they're just doing things the way that they know how to do, but they're not documented. Imagine you're deciding to buy which law firm you're going to buy. Would you pay premium dollar for law firm A that has documented systems or law firm B that doesn't? It's a no-brainer. No systems documented. Right. I mean, really, that's that's the value of a law firm, the systems and the book of business. And if you don't have both of those things, the value of your law firm is going to drop precipitously. Yeah. One of the things that I heard you talk about on another podcast, I forget the name of it, is creating systems for doing social media marketing correctly. And there are a million ways of doing it incorrectly and maybe one, two, three ways of doing it correctly. Can you talk about that? And I find that topic super interesting. For most of the years that social media has been around, I found it to be incredibly ineffective for most attorneys who have tried it. Most tried, spent the money, time, energy, plus money, and got out because they didn't get any ROI on it. What's the right way of doing it? What's the right system for it? Well, the the biggest challenge uh, for lawyers is understanding the purpose of social media. And the easiest way for me to describe it is social media is like the backyard barbecue or the, the cocktail party that you're at at somebody's house around the holidays. It's not somebody looking for hot leads. So say you and I happen to be in the kitchen of a friend's house. We're talking about our lives. We're talking about what's going on in the neighborhood and that type of thing. And some person we don't know comes walking in and goes up to you and says, hi, I'm Tom Smith. I sell car insurance, you know, home insurance, any insurance that you need. Give me a call if you need insurance. And then turns to me. Hi, I'm Tom Smith. I sell auto insurance, home insurance, any insurance I need. Then turns to the next person and says the exact same thing and then walks out of the room. You and I standing there will look at each other, probably burst out laughing and say, who was this joker? You know, the reality is, is people not are not on social media to get marketed to, but you can use social media to create the conversations and find opportunities to insert yourself in the conversation that harkens it back. So if we are standing there in the in the um, room in that kitchen, having a drink, talking about the neighborhood and a new person comes in and he joins our or she joins our conversation. And, and, oh, so what do you do? Naturally comes up. And they said, oh, well, you know, I happen to be an insurance broker. It's interesting. I just had somebody who didn't review their policy. They had an exclusion. A tree fell on their deck. And so their insurance company denied coverage. I looked at people's policies. I make sure that they have the right kind of coverage for, the, for what they need. 
that person who talks a little bit about them, but also participates in us talking about baseball or football or sports or travel or our pets or whatever is more likely to get the lead because people are not on social media to be marketed to. They're not hot leads. The purpose of social media, in my opinion, is to develop a brand of authentic authenticity, authenticity that you can then share with the world. Tell people a little bit about you so that they choose to engage with you. And that makes it easier for you to close people when it's time to be hired because you have a relationship with them already. Uh, but if you're there looking for just hot lead after hot lead, you're really misusing social media because nobody goes on there for marketing. If they're looking for a lawyer, they'll go to Google, they'll go to a search engine and type or a directory and they'll look for that. What social is for is just establishing who you are. I mean, I can't get out to cocktail parties in my neighborhood anymore, but I can post about what's going on on my social, comment on other people's social, be part of the conversation. And then maybe I also include some social media marketing ads to remind people who I am when I'm not commenting on their stuff, gently, not over the top, um, but with enough frequency that it reminds them who I am when it comes to their time and need. Super interesting. So you mentioned something that's near and dear to my heart, which is when people need an attorney, they more likely than not, they go to search unless they already know an attorney that they want to go to. Then right. And that's where social can, and that's where social media can really make a difference. And, and, and one of the other things that I want to say about social media is that too many lawyers I know will just set up a social media profile and all they ever do is boast about themselves. And that's not really interesting. So you get the social media where it's like, let me tell you about all my verdicts. Well, you know what? For the personal injury lawyers out there, those dollar verdicts mean nothing to the regular person. Oh, I got a million dollar verdict. You know what that means to them? Wow, you made a lot of money, Mr. or Ms. Lawyer. Uh, and congrats to you. But that doesn't really impact my life. What does impact their life is a story on social media about how you help somebody get a settlement or a verdict, and now they have the money to be able to buy that converted van so that they can operate it themselves and have more independence. Or they have the money to be able to bring in a home health aid to assist a family member when they need to travel. Those are the types of stories that resonate with people, not the random dollars that a lawyer gets. I don't know why lawyers feel so, it's an ego thing. They talk about their verdicts like, um, like it's everything to everybody, but really those verdicts are just egos. They're, it, it's, it's, not, it's not actually getting the consumer a connection to them. So they're not necessarily likely to be hired. Or if they are hired, then they're going to be disgruntled because they are, there's always more money you could have gotten them. Jay, I think there is another aspect to it. And that is, I think one of my mentors called it the copycat marketing. I see other law firms do this, so I must do this as well, because if they're doing it, it must work for them. But in reality, most of copycat marketing fails very consistently yeah. because nobody or most people do not know how to do marketing, right? So let's use your example. You are in criminal defense. It's not the glitziest, that's a word, it's not the glitziest practice area. It's not PI. You do not talk about winning million dollar verdicts or whatnot having great settlements or whatnot. What does social media marketing and advertising, successful social media and advertising look like for a criminal defense 
law firm. So for us, what we'd like to do is we like to get out there and actually interact with our community. Uh, and so, you know, we'll we'll go to a donut shop and 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 uh, test a couple of different donuts and and say, this is our favorite. Why don't you tell us in the comments what your favorite was? Or can you give us a better place to go get donuts or coffee? Uh, you know, I'm, I've got something planned for early next year where I'm going to go around and uh, try the same sandwich uh, at like 40 different delis in uh, in this one city. And I'm going to say this is the best of these sandwiches and, and rank them all, in my opinion. Those are the types of things that people, you know, resonate with. And it's amazing to me, you know, we'll have members of our office picking a jury and they'll have to have familiarity with our firm because they've seen us on social media and they say, hey, you know, oh, you donated, you know, every month we donate to a local charity. And we in our newsletter, we take suggestions from our client base as to what we should donate to the following month. And what we'll do is sometimes we'll invite the uh, person who suggested the charity because it's probably close to their heart to come along when we make the donation. Uh, and so we'll get people, oh, you know, you, you support, um, you know, the, the dog shelter. That was imp that's an important thing to me. And I appreciate that. So people are hearing about our brand and they're talking about our brand in a positive tone so that if and when somebody needs that lawyer and we come up in the search results, you know, and there's five law firms they can choose from, maybe they tend to pick us because they've got some familiarity with our brand and the rest of the people are strangers to them. Would it be fair to say that, and by the way, you didn't talk about criminal defense or type of criminal cases that you do in that type of marketing at all? No, not at all. You're all, all about building that very personal connection with people where you where you are that likable person. So would it be more like PR type of marketing through social media? Social media has just been one of the channels that's available, right? So you're building that connection that's very PR-like without being very focused on what you do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely PR-focused. It's about, you know, putting us out there. One of the biggest problems that most law firms have and most lawyers have is that the general public thinks a lawyer is a lawyer is a lawyer. And why can't you help me? Because you're a lawyer. You know how to do a residential real estate closing or file for bankruptcy. Legally, I'm allowed to file somebody for bankruptcy. I wouldn't know where to begin. I know lawyers who are the best at it. And really what I want is everybody turning to me in their time of need and I'll help them find the best lawyer because then that helps me develop relationships with other law firms that can send me business. And it, and it really sort of explodes in the referral opportunities. You know, that's one of the things too many lawyers jump on digital marketing and they say, I'm going to put all my, throw all my money into digital marketing because it's kind of easier, right? You know, you don't have to be actively involved. You don't have to make the time to post something. You can just outsource it to somebody. But in reality, Many people connect with lawyers because they're looking for a solution to a problem. I don't know a single person who has ever called a lawyer because they were happy. I mean, maybe in an adoption situation or buying your first house, buying a house. But in most of the situations where you need a lawyer for an injury case or a family law case or a criminal case, and that's the majority of consumer-based law, somebody's upset. Somebody's sad. Something bad happened. Uh, and so... People don't love to, um, you know, reach out to lawyers, but if I can be the lawyer that they think of and I can get you to the right person, well, then that right person will send me work and you're, you'll be well taken care of and you might send me more work and everybody wins.
That is so true. Going back 30 years, almost 30 years, I was a teenager and I got my first serious speeding ticket. There was a guy advertising in the local newspaper. Traffic court is what he does. He went to court with me, charged me $50. This is like 90s. He was such a nice guy. He explained the whole process. Fast forward many years, and I'd never been in trouble with law. Many years later, I get into a horrific accident on a motorcycle. I mean, I am in pieces in the hospital. Many days, five surgeries. Who do I call from the hospital? And Google was still in its early stages. I called the guy who was very nice and handled my ticket and explained to me the whole process. And I'm like, I just got home. My wife, and she wasn't my wife. My girlfriend is holding the phone to my head because I got both of my arms are casted. Sure. So I called this guy and I'm like, Alex, I'm in pieces. Do you do this? And he's like, I'll come visit you. See what I can do. He visited me. He was not the right fit for the type of case, although he was already doing some PI work. He reached out to a guy he knew, different law firm. And I'm sure they split their 33% of my multi-six-figure settlement. He was just very human. And he is a connector. And guess what? He's still advertising. Now he is more on digital, but he's still advertising in the same local newspaper as he did almost three decades ago. And he built relationships. And the community knows him around here. I'm still in Chicago as I was 30 years ago. So yeah, that PR, that type of relationship, that type of good faith building. But as you said, it's not an overnight thing. Right. It, it takes time and a lot of effort. I got to ask you, and you've been doing this for a quarter of a century now. How much of your time, when you look at your calendar, is split between actually practicing law versus being an executive of your law firm versus being a content creator for your law firm? So I'm pretty lucky. Um, I probably practice law about 5% of the time. Uh, and, and really, it's probably even less than that. Uh, I handle one type of hearing once a month. Uh, for some clients uh, that does pardons and expungements. And I do that because I find joy in it. Uh, the rest of my time is spent either coaching or mentoring the lawyers in my office about trial skills and, and strategy on cases. But that's only an hour to a week. Uh, the rest of the time is me helping the management team run this firm, as well as identifying the marketing opportunities for us and going after them. Uh, and, and along with my marketing team and creating the content that we need. I probably spend 20% of my time creating content for my office. And some of it is external. Uh, some of it is, you know, I have my own, I, we've built out our own studio uh, here. It's actually one of our offices. Uh, one of our regional offices is a video and audio production studio. So I'll go to the studio, you know, one day every week and I'll cut 20 videos that we can then use over the next, you know, 10 weeks or so. Um, and uh, then I'm also writing content or strategizing, looking at resources, that type of thing. I think I have a bit of undiagnosed ADD, so I, I tend to quick start things and bounce around a lot. Uh, but that's really where I'm at my best for my firm is, is giving them my ideas and putting, it, putting them into play or lining up the pieces so other people can put them into play. Makes perfect sense. It's very consistent that whenever I introduce successful law firm owners, they spend little to no time on practicing law 
because it's not scalable. There are right. only so many cases you can do on any given day, week, month. And instead, they focus on managing and growing the business and doing or being responsible for marketing because it's such a big part of growing the business. A lot of great insight, great insights you shared with us here, Jay. I'm super appreciative. One thing I want to share with people who listen to this. What Jay said is not to discourage you that this takes considerable amount of time, energy, and some money. And it takes time before you start seeing ROI on this. I think the most important takeaway is that takeaways. Number one, you should do it. It will amplify your business. Number two, you should have the right expectations. It's not going to happen in 30, 60, 90 days. It will probably take a considerable amount of time. Number three, don't make all your content about law. Right. You will have a very hard time connecting with people. Yeah. Who, who wants to talk about law? I mean, even lawyers don't want to talk about law most of the time. I'd rather talk about how miserable my New York Jets are, or that you know, you know, or, you know, those types of things. Yeah. Are, are, is or how excited I am about the Yankees season uh, that's going to come up. Those are the types of things, or, or the dish that we had at this wonderful restaurant. I mean, you could talk for days about uh, the restaurants in your community and get them sharing your information about it, and just you know their network of followers sees you talking about them in a positive light and they love the restaurant, you know, they're going to have a positive impression on you. Lawyers have a negative impression as it is. So the more positivity you can bring to it, and I'm not saying don't include anything about law, but I mean, I, I've seen some lawyers post some stuff that even lawyers aren't, you know, really interested in learning about why would the general public, that's why they hire us. So they don't have to know these things. Uh, so, so that's really the most important thing is connect with people about topics that they want to talk about. You know, it's, it's interesting when I was back in my dating life, I tended to be a pretty good first date. I was told because I was constantly asking questions to the women that I was, where did you grow up? What do you want to do? What did you, did you think I was, it, I was treating it as if it were, you know, the jury selection process. Cause I had some training in that. And so I was constantly asking questions. I wasn't really talking about myself. It's the same thing about people on social media. Give them an opportunity to talk about themselves and their interests, and you just steer that conversation, and people will love you. Yeah. There's a great formula that was taught to me by one of my mentors a long time ago, and I'm going to take myself here a little bit. And he said that when you produce content for your target audience, you should split it like three different TV channels. 50% PBS, make it educational. 35% Comedy Central, make it funny, make it entertaining. And 15% QVC. This is where you actually talk about what it is that you sell. That is great. I might steal that because that is steal great. It. Great. Yeah. That's a great idea. Same thing applies to social media. Don't go QVC 100% of the time. Don't be talking about your service 100% of the time. You will lose that audience at the very onset. I mean, I saw, entertain them. Yeah, I saw, I saw a social post today from a local law firm that has a three-minute video about the statute of limitations in personal injury car accident cases in the state of Connecticut. Now, I know what that is because I'm a lawyer, Absolutely. but I'll tell you right now, my family members that are not lawyers don't care about that. 
will never care about that. And that type of content doesn't resonate with anybody. It just is an ego play. Like I know a topic, I'm going to talk about it. So I think in that situation, if you can connect with people, you can give them that information timely, but that's not a way to start the conversation. 100%. And, and if you are creative, if you're watching this and you're creating this type of content and you're still doubtful about whether you should continue going with this type of educational content or not, imagine that you're not a lawyer, but a dentist. And most of your content is about gingivitis. You're done. Nobody right. will watch you. Nobody will watch you. That's why. So I am a firm believer in building relationships through content. So 99% of my content is educational and somewhat entertaining. We talk about practical ideas that could help law firm owners increase their revenue, raise their profitability, and enjoy a better business, and thus hopefully enjoy a better life. I talk, and we're experts at search marketing. I spend maybe a few percent in any of my content talking about SEO or pay-per-click or LSA or websites because it doesn't matter to most people. It only matters to people who are in the buying process or are right. experiencing problem with those things. To the rest, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get the views. You're not going to get the attention if all you talk about is the shit that you want to sell. Right. That's it. End of story. Yeah, I mean, some of the more successful marketers online don't ever talk about, and I'm not saying that they're necessarily doing the right thing, they don't ever talk about uh, what they are actually gonna do for you. They talk about how you can work less, make more money, you know, they're, 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 they're selling you aspirations rather than actually substantive things. But if you can marry those two things, get people thinking about their aspirations and where they want to go and actually provide a product that they can use and, and you understand it better than they ever could, but can teach them, then you have a really great opportunity to, to help people and make money. Agree with you 100%. Jay, if somebody wants to check out how you're executing on your social media and how you're executing on your content, where would they find it? So uh, for us at uh, FirmFlex, our website is getfirmflex.com. We actually have a system where our copywriters go out and create images for people every day uh, and social media content. That is what my firm uses. We have a number of uh, social media uh, accounts my Mr. Speeding Ticket brand, like your friend from 30 years ago, we do a, a lot of motor vehicle stuff, or Ruane Attorneys, or Lady DUI, which are the brands in my office. You can follow us on any of those uh, social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, et cetera, and you can see how we're using social media, both for interacting with people and then also giving them some information about what we do. Uh, you know, it's sort of like an 80-20 mix. Uh, most of the time. So you can follow us on any of those social media platforms. I also post frequently on LinkedIn as well uh, and talk a little bit about the intersection of technology, AI, and the practice of law. Uh, and I'm trying to be as giver as much as possible. Uh, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just trying to give out information to build up that network of followers so that when somebody does say, oh, I know somebody who got arrested in Connecticut, they say, well, we know a lawyer there and that lawyer can probably help us. Uh, and you'd be amazed how often that comes up over the course of the year uh, where it may not be something that I did, you know, on, on, on any particular day, but six months from now, we'll get a referral from somebody who follows me on LinkedIn who said, hey, you're the only lawyer in Connecticut that I know. My family member needs somebody. They're going through a divorce. Who would you recommend? 
and I can send that to a family lawyer. That family lawyer, when they get somebody who needs uh, uh, somebody who's been arrested, guess what? They send it to me. And I've got dozens of PI lawyers and family lawyers and all different types of lawyers that send me business regularly. And it's because we are able to send them business as well. Yes. A money-making machine. Jay, something that you just said caught my attention. This is something I did not know. I know that you have a book that you wrote called Lady DUI. I did not know that that's a, a, a brand. And you said there is a Mr. Speeding Ticket brand as well. Talk to the audience about that. Why? So I, I started those brands really um, because we had established our brand of Ruane attorneys doing criminal defense. And it was hard for people to wrap their head around us doing something else. And so mm -hmm. I had a young attorney who was working with me, a good friend of the family. And I said, look, I want to build a business around you. But I was always a little cautious because I didn't know if she was going to up and leave. Uh, I'll teach her, you know, one of the things that I learned early on from a lot of mentors in the criminal defense space was that, well, what happens is you hire an attorney, they stay with you for two years, they learn how to do everything, and then they go and they compete with you. And so I said, well, how do I avoid that? And so I said, well, what I'll do is I'll build a brand for her and I'll own the trademark on the brand. And so as we build that brand, if she leaves, she, she could leave, but I still own the brand. So I can just put somebody else in that role. So we did that for Lady DUI. I mean, Teresa has been with me now for 18 years. She's not going anytime uh, anywhere soon. In fact, we talked about me just handing her the keys to the operation when it's time. But we also did that for speeding tickets because there was real no brand maker, but we didn't want to um, sort of separate um, and, and add speeding tickets to our criminal business because the person who gets arrested for a murder doesn't want to have a speeding ticket lawyer representing them. So we found out by building that secondary brand, we were able to sort of corner the market uh, in that respect. So branding has been an important part of our operations ever since we started. And, uh, and it's really helped us sort of target audiences with messaging that might be different across them. Uh, and so that's been very helpful. That is such an amazing insight. Most people do not think about, as when I started the conversation, or when we started the conversation, rather, I said that a lot of lawyers are looking to add additional practice areas where you actually narrow things down, and then you actually broke them apart into different brands that specialize in DUIs or speeding tickets, which makes it that much easier for a consumer to understand what you do, who you do it for, and go to you because you're a specialist. It's a lot easier to connect with a specialist when you have a problem than go to a generalist. We've been down this path. My brand has been around for 16 years. Started off as generalists. I only bought into this company six years ago. They started off as generalists. When I came aboard, this company served 54 different industries. I was like, this is so difficult. Where's the concentration? The concentration wasn't professional services. And I said, let's break it down some more. Where do we have most clients? In law. Are we successful with these clients? Yes. Let's start a standalone brand called Law Law Firm. Now everyone understands what this brand is about and what we do. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Speeding Ticket, brilliant. I love it. Lady DUI, and I saw that you had a book with that title on, um, on, on your Amazon profile, but I didn't know what that was about. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the reality is, is that, you know, there's also some, 